0: Now, Yuanda Biala rose to fame in 2019 after appearing on the programme Love Island alongside Maura Higgins and Greg O'Shea and the Dubliner has gone on to use the platform to speak about issues, lots of things surrounding racism and, and mental health and uh, Yuanda's book Reclaiming hit the shelves last week and she's with us in studio today. How are you?
1: Good, thank you. How are you?
0: Great. Yeah, I'm Good, not yeah. bad. You're enjoying the sunshine and...
1: I am. Everyone's complaining but I'm loving it. I absolutely <laughs> love it and it's Good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, it's fantastic. It's a, certainly certainly a big change. Um, tell us about the book. So it's a non-fiction book called Reclaiming. Out Everywhere now came out last Thursday. It's a non-fiction about essays. So there's about nine to ten essays in the book based on issues that affect our society. So there's like a bit of like my monologue within the book, my experiences, but also like experiences of everybody else and having like open and honest conversations. I like to think about it like... It's like a book with your best friend or a good friend talking about issues that are topical. Issues that need to be talked about, but also still speaking from a loving place at the same time.
0: Because you talk quite openly, you know, and and, and document some of your own experience as well in the book. Was that important to kind of just give a sort of an an honest and open sort of an insight?
1: Uh, yeah, I kind of said when I was writing the book that I was going to be as honest as, and open as possible. I just feel like when I ordered it to, when I ordered it to myself, but I also owed, owed it to the reader. Um I just feel like there's no point in giving half of yourself to someone. Um and I felt like everyone who bought the book got a piece of me and I felt like I really had to give them an open and honest piece of me. Yeah. Um was it hard? <laughs> It was so challenging. There were days where I was like, "Why have I done this to myself?" Yeah. Like it was, it was really hard. Because sometimes, like you have writer's block, and you sit in front of the laptop, and a whole day you're not able to write anything. Um, and sometimes you know what to write, but you don't know how to put on a piece of paper, and you. The words just aren't flowing the way you want, so it's it's frustrating. But it's so rewarding being able to hold the finished book in your hand and being like, "This is literally eight months of work in my hand." Yeah. And I just hope that everyone loves that. It.
0: It's a great achievement, though. Thank you. Yeah, it re- it really is. Like it's a, you know, it's obviously extremely time time consuming, but you are opening yourself up, I suppose. To yeah. you know, naturally, as you said, you're sharing quite a bit of yourself with with, with the readers when you went into Love Island. Mm. Did you ever envisage, you know, in advance of that, or during the process, or when you when you came out, uh, came out of the program? Did you ever envisage that, you know, you'd be sitting here talking about your book?
1: Absolutely not. If someone like went into a time machine, and went back, like three years ago or whatever and said oh you're gonna write a book called reclaiming and you're gonna write it all yourself I would have laughed in their face only because I come from a STEM background I've never tried to write a book I never thought I'd be giving a book deal it just was something that I never really thought about um but when the opportunity presented itself it's something that I was excited but nervous about at the same time but I was eager to, to, to like grab it by the I'm not allowed to say balls, am I? <laughs> I was either to grab the opportunity um and just see what it would become. Yeah. How did the the book deal come about? So I wrote an article For the Independent, I think maybe a year and a half ago. Yes. Um, and that went like really, really viral. Um, it was about racialized renaming. And then I wrote another article on colorism. And that's when people were like, oh, no, you're actually a really talented writer, which I never seen myself as. Um, and then I just got loads of opportunities, loads of phone calls, emails about potentially doing a book. Um, sat down, had meetings with amazing publishing houses, and I picked the one that. I felt understood reclaiming the most, um, and I went went with that one.
0: Tell us about what you mean when you talk about the r- racial renaming what What do you mean by that
1: so racialized renaming is basically I think living in the Western world, living in Europe um and having a Nigerian background. There is this like dismissal for like names that aren't seen as normative or European where people feel like they want to ascribe a nickname to someone because they feel like they can't pronounce their name or they are not really fussed about learning a name. And people don't really understand the importance of what a name carries. And it tells so much about you, your culture, your heritage, where you're from. Um, And racialized renaming is just that dismissal for a whole culture in existence for culture because we live in a world that is so whitewashed and westernised and the minority are just dismissed all the time. Talk to us about
0: experiencing that you want over the years.
1: So I think obviously being younger, you don't have a name for it or like, you know how it makes you feel, Mm. but you can't really explain it and you don't really talk about it. You just kind of let it go shrug it off and just carry on um but it just like stick with you and it's something you never forget like I remember even in school like people would just like mock my name all the time and I used to always think that like it was my fault or like my parents fault for giving me such like a difficult name and I remember growing up I hated my name I wanted a name that was more normative like a Kate or an Ashley or something just because I just didn't want to sit down during roll call and the whole class laugh when my name was called or introducing myself to strangers and they look at me and they give me a weird look and then they just like brush it off and would avoid using my name for the whole day because they just weren't bothered to learn how it was. And I think people underestimate how much you internalise that as a kid and what that looks like when you're older um, and how much it kind of how much it kind of damages what how you view your culture growing mm. up um so yeah i presume
0: that is that something that is you know an experience or an example of something that has stuck with you throughout probably all of your experience you yeah. in in school that are the education system.
1: Yeah, you never forget it and it's something that like still happens um and that's why I kind of wrote about the experience 2 years ago because it was something that was still very topical. Um and it's still something that happens to me till this day. and um, so it was very important to have a chapter yeah, in there about racialized renaming. Like
0: yeah. Um you also talk as well though about your well, body image. Yes. And your your I suppose your experience or or your struggle with that.
1: Um have was it was it difficult to write about that to talk about it? With body image, it was actually a chapter that I didn't want to write, and I remember that's how I started off the the chapter, saying that like my editor has said this would be a good one, but I just wasn't ready to write about it. I think when you're writing as a writer, it's so important to be. O- open and honest um, and give your reader everything. And I think at that moment in time, I was not ready to write about body image. And also politically, I was so scared about saying the wrong thing um, and what people would think about what went into the book. Um, So I was so nervous about like, being politically incorrect and stuff. But the second I started writing it, I actually loved it so much and I felt it was so liberating. Um, and I remember writing about the fat liberation movement that was started by black women in the 19th, I think the twentieth 19th or 20th century. Um, I talk about black fishing. Um, I talk about normal body image that Mm. you face being in the public eye. And I just found it so liberating being able to talk about so many things in that chapter that I think will resonate with a lot of people.
0: It kind of strikes you as it's nearly like a little bit of a a therapy session in in a way you know and I suppose sort of the format of the book in the sense that it's number of series of, of effectively different essays, do you know, and and, yeah. and different points that that you talk about. Um, would you say it's kind of ideal for, we were just talking actually about consent and and um, different religious and sexual education discussions within the classroom at mm. junior search cycle. But I mean, I imagine it probably is a kind of a, a good book for that's sort of like a teenagers as well, to yeah. just have an understanding. And-
1: yeah, because I think at that age you're real like vulnerable and you're kind of looking for someone to kind of guide you through your like adolescent years going into like teenager and adulthood. Yeah. So I think this kind of book where it's talking about finding yourself is probably perfect for that age and also like anyone above who is like feeling that like they're losing a little bit of themselves because I feel like in every age you kind of go through like a crisis where you you don't really know who you are anymore and um, so I think yeah I'd like to think it's for everyone and maybe yeah. that's just me saying that because it's my book.
0: <laughs> no no absolutely. i like think it's for everyone. Listen I can't not ask you about Love Island. All right, um, <laughs> yeah did you enjoy it? Would you do it again?
1: I I would do it again, um, oh. and it's so funny now that you say that because people are actually doing it again. Yeah, um, it's Adam. <laughs> yeah, but well, you go so. back? no, your... <laughs> I don't see myself now doing that again. But uh, it was an experience that yeah. I think I only will do once. Really? Yeah, I feel like going back again it just kind of dilutes the experience. It's just I feel like it's something you do once and you just hold on to the memory. And you just don't taint it. Is it a positive memory? Oh, absolutely. Is it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Obviously, there's like pros and cons and stuff, but there's just, just more more pros that outweighs the cons. So yeah, positive. You were the Maura Higgins, Greg O'Shea. I was, yeah, yeah. Are, are you in contact with them, or do you? Um, I mean, like we're all friends and stuff, but I think everyone's like really busy, so everyone's just doing their own thing. But yeah, like I haven't seen them in a while, actually. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> are you what? Do you watch the series
1: now? Um. Not religiously, no. Um, but I think it is a decent series. Yeah, I think it's a good series. Yeah. Do you have any? Who Who are you sort of tipping as the the the
0: winner of it, or do you have? Uh, a...
1: I don't know. I think what other seasons, you kind of already know from the start. But I think this one, like, there is no front leaders. Like everyone's a bit. I don't know. I don't know. I can't tell. Yeah. The the criticism, I suppose, that the show gets, um, is it warranted? I don't think so but maybe I'm saying that from a biased lens Um, but I think what I always say to people is that Love Island is a true reflection of what society is is like and I feel like a lot of people forget that like when it comes to romantic relationships or friendships or arguments or um, racism or anything it's literally a direct reflection of our society just 20 people <laughs> yeah. so that's it yeah. same issues as on the outside same issues on the inside okay it's, it's really it's,
0: yeah, it's, it's really interesting and the, the show's still going strong I mean it's, yeah it's great how yeah, many seasons or, or series are we into it now at, a, at this stage listen the book is out on the shelves reclaiming yes, reclaiming Best of luck with it. Thank you so yeah, much. Yeah. And it's great to have you in. Thanks a million Thanks for, 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 sta- for stopping by today. Um, Ywanda Biala as well. Of course, her book there, Reclaiming. Now, um, the sun, as I've mentioned all day today, it's splitting the stones right across the, uh, the length and breadth of Ireland. And we are all in truly summer form here today in studio. So our reporter, Henry McKean, he was out and about on the streets to hear about your favorite summer songs. Would it be Will Smith's Summertime or perhaps a bit of Somewhere in My Heart by Aztec Camera? Those songs would be on my barbecue uh, summary playlist. What about you? I thought Here Comes the Sun, but uh, I'm Italian, so uh, I think I would think... Of the songs that my mum used to listen to in the 60s. Just kind of songs that are about the in Italy. Oh, The kids are in control of the music firmly, so it's whatever pop, <laughs> whatever <laughs> rubbish is in the, on the radio at the moment.
1: <laughs> Summer Wind. You love that one.
0: Love it. And you've been listening to that since the 70s, 60s? Uh, say, yeah, whenever Frankie started singing.